Hey Rob, uh, I was on the news today. Oh. <laughs> usually, if people at your level are on the news, it's usually for something bad. Oh no no no! It was not. It wasn't anything having to do with uh, my work. <laughs> oh. Were they like, oh my god, what did you think of the Father's Day, young no. father? I'm I'm showing Rob a picture. There's me. There's Chelsea. We were at, we were on the five o'clock news. Um, so you know, way back when, when Pepper was sick, like well, which time? The first time, ten months ago. Okay. The bad time. <laughs> well, she uh, she met a lot of doctors, and one of them uh, is kind of like King Five News's pediatric specialist i guess like anytime they want to do a story on kids or pediatrics or whatever they call her her name's dr me elizabeth mead and she was pepper's like second doctor so we got there at night and then that the next day her like main doctor for that day was dr mead she's i don't know like our age like fucking cool like super smart and uh they have her on the news all the time and they were doing a segment on uh, the measles outbreak and vaccines here in King County. And uh, she just remembered that we were, in her words, well-spoken and quite in favor of vaccines. So <laughs> she, she she called us up and said, hey, they want to film like a few minutes of me and a few minutes of you guys, and you just have to answer some questions. Um, <laughs> they literally cut everything I said. I think Did they were like anything on. Yeah, Chelsea. They kept everything Chelsea said. <laughs> Cut everything I said. I think they were like, "Oh man, this guy is uh, too many, too many facts and shit." They just wanted a few sound bites, so they had a videos of Pepper and then uh, videos of Chelsea saying a few things. Me just smiling, like sitting there smiling like an idiot. And then uh, Dr. Mead, a few clips of her saying, you know, why it's important to get vaccinated and, and stuff like that. They probably so. wanted her to say why it's important to get vaccinated and not you. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I was like, you vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, so it was about, it was like a little two-minute segment, so. I You're going to get kind of so many death threats from the anti-vax people? <laughs> probably. <laughs> um. So anyway, that was that was kind of fun, and Pepper was like a like a angel baby the whole time, which made it even more fun. Like she was like waddling around this like little play area, and they got a bunch of shots of her waddling around and sitting down, just like smiling and shit. It was it was pretty cute. <laughs> well, you're immortalized on uh, well, probably local television, probably not local, national television. Local for sure. Is that like uh, the Snoqualmie news, or is that like? No, it's King the County. Seattle Seattle King Five, like it's the okay, it's the, the big one in Seattle. So a Seattle. bunch of old people are going to see you, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because it was at five p.m. So even even the young people uh, who do watch the local news are not going to see me because yeah, was, they're not home at five fucking p.m. To I watch was the definitely news. still at work at five p.m. Yeah, so was all of us. So. Uh, yeah, they filmed it at the Swedish uh, hospital in Seattle. It's called I Swedish was born First there. Hill. You were born at Swedish First Hill? Yeah, they no longer have a neonatal unit there anymore, but back in the good old days. 
No, they... Uh, you're right. They just moved it, though. Well... To, to Issaquah. That's where I was born. Yeah. And um, they're moving the rest of it, too. They're moving all of pediatrics to Issaquah as well, interestingly. so You know, it's, it would suck for the hospital to be where all the people are. Yeah, so it ended up being just like a brokered agreement between them and Children's Hospital, which is a... Like, Swedish First Hill is huge, but the pediatric slash neonatal units are like two floors. And Children's Hospital, like near... It's like north of uh, UW is like literally buildings worth. So Once again, would it have been great to have a hospital where people are? That's well, okay. I mean, there still are, but you're right. Okay, so that's actually a good point. The doctors at Swedish First Hill, the pediatric doctors, are like, you know, I can kind of see the point here where they're trying to like, you know, put our unit of really good doctors on the east side where there isn't a good pediatric unit because everyone gets sent. Everyone who has a pediatric problem anywhere on the east side gets sent to one of those two hospitals in Seattle. So, like, that kind of makes sense. But for the people in West Seattle, it takes them just as long to get to Seattle Children's as it does for east side people to get into Seattle. So, like, does it really make sense? Like, that's this is where all the people are. They're in downtown Seattle and North Seattle or whatever, but... And if you're going to charge anyway. 70 grand to tell me I'm constipated, then like I'm pretty sure you can afford another hospital. <laughs> That's probably true. So, yeah, so I'm not exactly sure if there were other politics and things going on. Like most of the the doctors were like, "Look, it it kind of makes sense, but we're just more worried about our patients in West Seattle and things like that that are going to have to drive just as far to get to Issaquah or North Seattle." I'm not as concerned about the patients that can afford to drive. Well, yeah, that's true, too. So that's actually a really good point, right? Because the patients, any other pediatric patients will somehow have to figure out how to get themselves to, you know, I can't help but think this Seattle. is related to the massive homeless population and trying to get away from that so that it's harder for them to get health care because they don't usually pay. Really? I mean... Possibly, but they're going to have to go to Seattle Children's anyway. And I think that right? they're probably thinking that. I mean, no, they don't because they're not going to go up north of UW. Where how are they going to get there? Yeah, I mean that's true. That's a that's an interesting theory. I would might we might want to look into that. Maybe we can do our first investigative uh, podcast next week on why <laughs> the neonatal and pediatric units of swedish are moving to the east side anyway that's enough about that um yeah one of my managers when i was like like the people above me at work when i was like oh i can't come to this meeting like i'm gonna do this filming he messaged me and was like are you for or against and i was like i'm gonna answer this question but i really hope that we're not gonna have a conversation that's like opposing about this right (laughs) First of all, a little inappropriate at work. Second of all, oh god, am I working for someone who is part of the anti-vax movement? Get me out of here. Uh, I have one further comment, actually. Proceed. One of the things that I really do like about the news up here is that they're not, they don't deal with bullshit. So there was no opposing segment. It was literally just like, us and a doctor saying go get vaccinated 
I think they... the reason why that might be for this particular case is because we are living in the number one area for measles in the United States. And so, like, I think there's probably more of a push here to squash out anti-vax than there are in places that don't have a huge movement of it. So we're not actually... Currently, we're not the number one measles problem place. We're the number one anti-vax problem place. Those are gonna those are gonna come together. Yeah, yeah. So that's the concern. But right now, like more densely populated areas, like um, Hasidic Jewish communities in New York, are having bigger problems. But it's not. But they have higher rates of vaccination. But lower rates of vaccination in just that small community. But that community is so tight knit and close, closely. You know, uh, I can't think of the best word, but they meet often uh, <laughs> enough that there's like 90 cases or something like that in New York City. Whereas in King County, there's like 10, which is still too high. But so anyway, yeah, you're right. That's probably the case, but. I don't know. I think the other thing is this this station is just very much no nonsense. They're, you know, like I don't know. That's one of the things that's frustrating me about the news lately is just the having to have both sides when there shouldn't be another side to some well, of the I wonder arguments. what they would say about the organic food movement. That's true. They might have both sides on that one here, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they probably would. Uh uh, in a stunning turn of events, both the NBA championships and the Stanley Cup were won by ah. first-time ever teams. What do you so mean? Oh, the it's Saint the first Louis, time they ever won. That franchise ever won. Got the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup over the heavily favored uh, Boston Bruins. And the Raptors won their, their NBA championship over, if we're being honest, the heavily favored... Uh, Golden State Warriors going into the playoffs, but I think that by the time that series happened, they probably weren't necessarily as favored. Not to diminish Toronto's run, because Toronto had to play, like, as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned, an extremely difficult gambit of teams to get to the finals, let alone then beating Golden State. And even Golden State on the limp that they were on is still a dangerous team. So, you know, a lot of what, lesser teams would have still lost. What limp were they on? Uh, Well, Kevin Durant only played 11 minutes, and he represents 33% of their total roster as far as salary is concerned. Why is that? Did he get injured? Yes. Oh, okay. And then he came back for 12 minutes, and then he got re-injured worse. Yeah. I mean... So, he had a... He had a... A, like, muscle tightness in his... What's the... Calf. Calf, yeah, okay. That turned into an Achilles tear. Yeah. He came back for 12 minutes, and they're saying that due to the extra stress he was putting on his off leg, tore his Achilles. So he's out for... his other leg. Yeah, so he's out for all of next year. Dude, um, no. And he only played 12 minutes. Uh, Kevin Looney played several games with a fractured collarbone. Wow. Uh, Clay Thompson tore his ACL in Game 7. Wow. Um, so the, the like, this was basically God-level smiting, is what you're yeah. telling me. <laughs> God, God straight up intervened on this bitch and was like, I'm going to start breaking shit and see what you can do. 
It sounds like I'm trying to diminish the Warriors, like, but you're you diminishing know, the Raptors. I mean, diminish the Raptors, but like they a won a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's not like the Warriors haven't been on the other side of this coin. I mean, they beat the Cavs in 2016 with the Cavs' number two and three best players not playing a minute in the whole series. So, like, okay, this is part of the NBA is that injuries happen. It just so happened this year that all of the injuries were on one side because, for the most part, I mean, a cut like. Kawhi playing a little hurt, you know, but for the most part, Toronto was okay. Golden State was really hurt. That's not what I want to talk about. Okay. What I want to talk about is you, from a occasional sports viewer, mm-hmm. doesn't really get invested in sports in any emotional way. <laughs> Do you think it is good for sports to have small market teams win? Because, you know, if if you look at the total number of NBA championships each franchise has won, mm-hmm. you have Boston and L.A. who are both have won a ton. Okay. And then almost no other team. I think no other team has more than five, and I think L.A. has 16 and Boston has like 21. Okay. Um, but... That ends up working out for viewership because those are the teams that people want to watch. So if the NBA got what it necessarily wanted from a completely financial perspective, it would be New York, Boston, L.A. over and over again. Okay, yeah. But that's just because they want eyeballs on their sport. Whereas, I mean, this will probably end up being the most watched NBA Finals of all time because you've got an entire country represented that you don't normally get. Yeah. <laughs> which is a weird circumstance of the NBA specifically, that there's only one Canadian team. Yeah. Um, but if there were, there used to be a team in Vancouver, there just isn't anymore. But if there were more teams in Canada, it probably would have been a rather low-viewed finals, partly because, you know, Golden State has now been there a ton lately, and that usually has people not that interested. And yeah. Golden State isn't that huge a market in general because there's so many teams in California that that market ends up getting split a whole ton. Anyway, do you think it's do you think it's good that small market teams win championships, or do you think, from a perspective of someone who's not super into sports, it doesn't really matter to you who's in the finals? You're just going to pay attention to Game Seven, and that'll probably be it, no matter who it is. So I have to say, whether it's good or not is hard to say. I personally think it's more fun, right? So here's the deal. I just happen to be after so on Thursday nights after rehearsal we go out to eat. I always vote for sushi. Some people are dumb and vote for chicken wings. I mean chicken wings are good, but sushi's better. We could disagree on that later, but we'll talk about it now. <laughs> So we end up going to Chicken Wings, and it just so happens, holy shit, the place is packed. So we have to split our table anyway. So we're like four and four, or five and four. The place is fucking... Normally we show up, there's like... We could take a whole corner of the room if we want, because nobody's there. It's like a Thursday night. Who the hell is in a wing place on a Thursday night at 8.30 p.m.? So we show up, it's packed, we split, and we realize, oh, it's because, or I realize, oh, it's because this game is on TV. If it had been the Golden State Warriors and any team in the entire United States, I wouldn't have even ever looked at it. 
at all. I would have been like, I'm bored already, not watching. <laughs> but because it it so happened that a Canadian team was playing that I had never heard of because I don't watch basketball, and it so happened that a large majority of the people in the wing place were cheering for the Raptors, my interest was like 6% peaked rather than negative 4% peaked. The 10% <laughs> so, difference there, that's something. Yeah, that's something. And so I actually looked up and I was watching and I got interested when I couldn't hear what was going on, but there was some kerfuffle at the end where there was a foul, but then they had to like, they let him shoot the foul uh, free or whatever they call that when no one's lining the box. Technical foul. Technical foul. And then I guess that was reversed or something and then they made him shoot a regular foul. And so we're all wondering, oh, is this a different foul? Because we couldn't hear anything. So we're, like, talking about what's going on. And it's like, oh, same guy shooting the ball. He just fucking made two, and he's made his last seven before that. Only now he's got it lined with a few fuckers. He's going to make those two again anyway. And then there's no time. So they're still probably going to win. But there was some discussion for, like, three or four minutes while we were not sure what was going on. Wait, who fouled what? Blah, blah, blah. And so I spent more time watching that game than I've watched all of basketball since I graduated college. And the only reason I watched basketball when I was in college was because I played in the pep band and occasionally went to basketball games and played <laughs> played at those games, um, which I did enjoy. I, I don't dislike basketball. It's just not like high on my priority list of things to do. So I'd say as far as I'm concerned, I, I thought it was more interesting to me because I was like, oh, cool. There's a team in Canada. I didn't know that. And, oh, cool, they're actually doing really well. I do have to admit, it's a little uh, saddening to hear that the Golden State Warriors were so, like, kicked in the shin by God. Because uh, I was like, whoa, they won! Like, who would have thought? Like, isn't the Golden State Warriors supposed to be, like, amazing? Uh, But I guess there was a little bit of uh, (laughs) injuries going on Injuries are part of the game, so, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the game. Um, but I'd say for me, I think it's more exciting. I'd rather watch an underdog in any situation than not, right? When you watch a, even, you know, Super Bowl or whatever, every time I watch any sporting event ever, I always root for whoever the underdog is supposed to be because I I have no alliances really. I didn't watch any of it because I, I told myself I would try and I just didn't. Okay. But apparently the NHL should have been what you're watching because apparently the St. Louis Blues were a severe underdog to okay. the Boston Bruins, and they just slugged it out for seven games, and St. Louis came out on top. Dang. But, so, I, I, so here's the thing, though. I actually like hockey. I enjoy hockey. But I feel like ever since the strike in 2001, I don't know where the fuck you go to watch hockey. Like <laughs> I've never seen – whereas I feel like growing up in Texas – in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, hockey, I felt like it was on all the time. And people talked about the stars and it, like people got excited. I and then there was that strike in either 2001 or 2003 or something like that. And then I never saw hockey ever again. I think you were seeing hockey a lot then. Less because of the strike, though. I should, probably the strike was part of it. Because like Mike Madonna was on the stars. So the stars yeah. were like a really, really good team. And Eddie and you, Balfour. And, and yeah, and you lived there. So they were playing it. Whereas after the strike, 
Madonna was on the decline. The stars weren't that good anymore, so they weren't showing it. And then you move to College Station. There's no hockey team. No one gives a shit. Then you move to <laughs> Seattle. There's no hockey team. No one gives a shit. <laughs> okay. So next year or the year after when Seattle gets a hockey team, uh, I suspect you're going to start noticing it more. And I actually would enjoy that because I, I enjoy watching hockey. I, I mean, I think hockey's fun and exciting. It, it's It's the best of both worlds because I know – you're not a particularly big soccer fan, if I remember correctly, especially because of the uh, diving, which I agree is stupid. Flopping. But flopping, whatever you call it. With, with hockey, you get the best of both worlds. Nobody flops, and the entire game is action, right? Because my, my pet peeve with games like uh, football is the lack of action for a majority of the time that it is like on the screen. So... <laughs> now, there's a second half to Sports Ball Corner. We're going to move on. Okay, okay. In the interest of time. Yeah. There are two worldwide tournaments currently ongoing. Are you I familiar? know. I'm familiar with one of them. Which one is that? It's the Women's Football World Cup. Okay, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. Is there a hubbub going on? No, not really. Oh, okay. I just want to ask you a sportsmanship question. Okay. Are you familiar with how the U.S. women are doing? I am. I They have been doing well. Are you familiar have, with how well? I thought that they were, like, smashing people is what so I had last I want to talk heard. About, I want to talk about their first game. Okay. So they played Thailand in their first game. Okay. And going into half, they were up 3-0. Okay. By the end of that half, the final score was 13-0. Wow. Okay. Um, now, we've seen this play out oh, not infrequently in high-level women's sports, where there's a pretty significant talent gap that you see less often in men's sports, especially, like... You know, this is why in women's basketball, you know, the same team won the championship and won, like, you know, 118 games in a row, which is completely unheard of in men's college basketball. And okay. you'll see, like, high school women's basketball scores that are, like, 100 to nothing type scores. Um, and what you'll see a lot is in, like, professional American sports, what you'll see if there ends up being a blowout like that, the team that's winning by a lot will stop trying to score as much and just go, like, defensive and not try to tack on more points. Yeah. Do you think that the U.S. women should have stopped trying to score? Or do you think that it's professional sports that all's fair and war? So I'd actually say the opposite, almost. Not that all's fair in war, but that it's more humiliating, I think. Like, it, it's it's the same reason why... I mean, if you're playing a fucking kid, maybe, right? If you're playing chess against a child, right? You don't need to, like, humiliate them. Or playing baseball against a 10-year-old. Or hockey against a 10-year-old. You don't need to check the shit out of the 10-year-old. But I feel like... When you're on a world stage type game like that, I actually feel like it's more demoralizing to have the opposing team treat you like a child or treat you like 
like we're destroying. So I would say this. I would say if I were on that team, I'd probably back off about 10%. Because I wouldn't be surprised if they could have gone more than that, maybe. Right? Like if it's going to be that big of a blowout, they probably could have done even more. And if they had literally played like they were playing against whoever the best other other of the greatest teams in the world is, they probably would have gotten 15 or 16 or maybe 20. Who knows? And so I'm guessing 13 is actually the result of backing off a little bit. Because 3-0 at the beginning sounds like Thailand was doing okay. Like, they were doing poorly. They were going to lose. Like, 3-0 is pretty unheard of at, at the half, right? And and to then come back and win. Um, but it sounds like they slowed down quite a lot right after that. So, and I feel like that's the, it's, it's actually more sportsmanlike. Unless there's an option in the game. Unless there's like a, a rule where the defending team can raise a white flag or something or the you know what i'm saying if there's something like that then fine or put in your secondaries that's fine but i expect those secondaries to come in and play 80 to 90 percent full right i don't want to watch them kick the ball around like they're playing against children because i feel like that's more humiliating what do you think i mostly agree with you like Part of my agreement with you comes from, like, having watched massive leads get... Because, like, you take your take your foot off the throttle, the other team comes back, and you're unable to get back into that kill mode in time, and you end up losing because... Mm. Like, in football, the thing called the prevent defense, where after you've got a big enough lead, you just, like, you, you don't rush the quarterback you have drop a whole bunch of guys into coverage and you just try to prevent big plays from happening because you know you're gonna win and the number of times that just bites teams that never seems to like work out so like why do they do that and then like this is a world cup you know this only comes once every four years like this is as far as women's soccer is concerned this is it this is the biggest tournament and a lot of these players are gonna get one maybe Maybe two two. if they're lucky three shots at it yeah. I want them to play their best the whole time because this is, could literally be once in a lifetime and only like 11 women get to start on that team every four years. So I want those 11 that get that opportunity. So let's, let's do this. Let's take an individual example. In the last Olympics, the last Summer Olympics, do you know who Katie Ledecky is? Oh, the swimmer. The swimmer. She, I don't care what anyone says, she, in my opinion, is probably the greatest swimmer of all time. Because she is better than Michael Phelps compared to her peers, by far. Like, she's like fucking secretariat to his competition or something like that. Where, you know, except even better. Like, she is amazing. (laughs) And... Uh, I think in the last Olympics, she was swimming in 800 and she pretty much, unless she may have lapped or more than lapped the, some of the field, if not the entire field in the 800 freestyle in the fucking finals, that's unheard of. 
right? That is unheard of. I mean, an 800 is a short swim, comparatively, for these type of swimmers. And to lap people at the Olympic level is insanity. And I, I would say, both for her, this is her on the world stage. She wants to put her best foot forward. And if she can fucking take that drive of being on the you know, most important swimming stage in the world and take that and turn it into one second less on the world record time, she fucking should, right? And, you know, I feel like any other swimmer on the field would say, yeah, if I were you and I could shave off another second on my world record time, I would lap you, right? And so I think there's there's two coins, which, yeah, this is the big leagues, this is the world stage, like, both for yourself and your in your team, you want to play, you want to put your best foot forward. And number two to that, I think every other swimmer in that pool would say that she should have, she shouldn't have given any quarter. And I would be surprised if the Thailand, I don't, if the Thailand team people are the ones saying that the American team should have given quarter. Because I want to be think, clear that like. Very few people are actually saying the U.S. did anything wrong. I'm not. I'm oh, not saying okay. there's a big ruckus about this. But there's I'm not. guessing the Thailand team is the last people to say that, right? I'm. Th- I think that they're like, look, we're here too, and if we could have beaten you 13-0, we would have put our best foot forward and played our hearts out, right? This is the fucking World Cup. So now, yeah, Thailand had the unfortunate draw of playing the two best teams in their group. In their first two games. Mm, okay. So they played the U.S. first and then Sweden second. Yeah. And Sweden was beating them 6-0. Okay. And then they scored a goal to make it 6-1. Okay. And if you looked at the Thailand fans, you would have thought they just got a gold medal. They were absolutely yeah. going nuts. And it yeah. was in that one moment that I did feel bad. Yeah, okay, so I so that that's a good point. I think once you get to like six or ten, uh it, it would have been great for the US uh like offense to play ninety percent and the defense to play like sixty percent maybe, right? Something more like that. <laughs> but goal differential matters. Go it's so, oh, okay, so that is the next question that I was gonna ask. Because I know way too much about the way British soccer works from listening to uh, Dear Hank and John, I know that goal differential matters for the whole season in in that setting, right? And so if goal differential matters, then all bets are off. You should you like no no offense, but again, this is the World Cup and the US Let's it, it, goal differential matters. It's like a group of four, and only the top one team goes. Top two, top two. But if there's a tie, then the goal differential matters. So there's multiple groups, and I take the two from each group. There's eight groups. You get sixteen teams. Yeah. All of you, all of the teams are seeded based on their out of tournament play going into the tournament. Yeah. For, for deciding which group you're in. But then after the group phase, everyone's reseeded based on how they did in the group phase. And so it's like your group record is number one, you know, because yeah. you're going to play three games in your group. So 3-0, and as good as you can be. But there's probably going to be more than one 3-0 and team. 
So how do they seed which 3-0 and teams are first or second, third? Goal differential. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, in that case, you can't fault them at all. Like, that. that is a point. Because here's the thing. Most, <clears throat> is the seeding done similar to the way, like, the March Madness is done, where basically... One verse 16, two verse yeah. 15, three verse 14, yep. Yeah, so for the it's in the U.S.'s best interest to get to the next round to have the biggest goal differential possible. And I think Sweden would say the same fucking thing. Like, if they can get, you know, if it, you know, I don't know who won, but between U.S. and Sweden, but whoever... They play on Thursday. Okay, so whoever loses... They want to have the highest goal differential that they can so that they can play the worst team that did one and two, right? If you're two and one, you want to play the worst one and two team. Mostly and it's so, going to be three and O's, two and two and ones, and then two O and ones. Yeah. Like, with a tie. There are so, not I mean, gonna, there's not going to be very many, if any, one and two. I don't know if it's possible for there to be a one and two team that advances. So, so here's my question. Who's, who's faulting them? Just people think it's like a bad sportsmanship thing when you are dominating an opponent like that. It's just, like, this always comes up anytime there's a massive blowout like this. Or there's always someone saying, Look, I, I, think, they- I think if you dominate them and act like a poor sport, right? So if, if you're, like, starting fights and being a dick and other shit like that, right? Like, then then I'd say, you know, it's like you're watching an, one team dominate another and they just keep on, like almost injuring people, right, and shit like that, then that's poor sportsmanship. But if you're just playing the game, playing your best, like, I think, again, like I said in the beginning, it's more sportsmanlike to play at your level than to back off, in my opinion. The same people who want them to back off are the same people who want them to shake hands after the match. You know, it's just... But yeah. I mean, I I do want them to shake hands after the I match. I don't want them to shake hands after the match. Why? I've always been for that. They're the What's... enemy. You don't shake hands with the enemy. Do you think after a battle they're going to go and shake hands? I mean, no. But it... do you, you think can't... that the team that loses in Game Seven of the NBA Finals wants to sit there in their loss of their dreams and shake hands with the people who took their dreams away? Okay. Fuck no, so... they don't. So okay, I I see your point. Let me let me rephrase. If the losing team wants to shake hands, the winning team should show up to shake their hand. And see, that's the thing is like every time that LeBron James, after he loses an NBA Finals, just goes straight back to the locker room. He's always said that's such a bad. Like, what do you no, want no, no, like, no. from so these look, people? I, I'm not gonna. I think it's it's probably better because at the end of the day, I yes, I want you to play your best and do your best and give no quarter, etc. But at the end of the day, this is not uh, us versus the aliens or uh, the 300 versus the Persian Empire or whatever, right? This is not actually a battle. And at the end of the day, you all love the sport. You are all here to, uh, you know play the sport, I would say in general, I wouldn't fault someone who just lost for choosing to say, look, I, I can't handle this right now. Yeah, like give but them some I, time to like okay, yeah. if you are able 
to just like immediately lose something that you fought your whole life for and then shake the opponent's hand, I'm going to say you don't care enough. You just yeah, don't care I, enough. I, I can Other see guy, that. I and see like, your, and you yeah. say it's not a battle, but like in their brains. I agree. Like the, the primal mentality that makes men do battle is the same mentality that makes people the best in the world at basketball. Like You're that, right. That, 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 that chemistry, the brain chemistry, the adrenaline ga- glands, the cortisol levels. Like, you're right. Those I, I would guess that in Game 7 of the NBA Finals, you take their fucking blood and pull out those chemicals, and you take fucking Romans in the heat of battle, and you've got the same set of chemicals. So I, I agree. I see where you're coming from. Um, I would say I wouldn't fault the losers, but if there's a loser that does want to shake the other team's hand for whatever reason, I would fault the winner for not showing up at whatever the agreed upon time is the 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 one minute, you know, the winner has to show up for one minute after the match to be there for anyone who wants to shake their hand, because it's not that fucking hard to be a winner and shake someone's hand. Can I tell you about like a very awkward moment in professional sports, professional tennis, Okay. Oh, is it any one of the times that what's his face? Who's the famous guy that always flips out? I watched a movie about him once. McEnroe. 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 Oh. Yeah. This happens. This happens in every match. Okay. Is it somebody wins? Yeah. True. Every time true. that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and they win. And if it's especially like a hard match, they're gonna yeah. throw their racket. They're gonna rip off their wristbands. They're gonna scream. Yeah. And they're going to just, like, fall to their knees and whatever. And then the person who lost walks up to the net and waits for all of that emotion and stuff to Uh, end so that they can shake their hand at the end of the match. I hate this. Because that person is devastated in that moment. And they are sitting there waiting for the victory dance of the person who just beat them to wrap that up. Yeah, and if you okay, just say yeah, yeah. if you just say hey wrap it up, you're the asshole. Now you sit there and watch them celebrate your loss, and yeah. wait for them to I, walk up to you and say good match. When you're really would, thinking in your head, fuck this guy. I would I would either say the winner has to show up in ten seconds, or you shouldn't force the loser. I, I mean, I don't. I still do see some value in the. So here's the deal. I don't know how to feel about this because I have never been good enough at any sport where you have to shake hands afterwards to be in this situation and know what it feels like, you know? So it's hard for me to empathize. And I know that you particularly suffer, maybe not suffer, but you are very competitive. You are very competitive. And so I am guessing you don't super enjoy <laughs> Being the loser on that side. I will say, uh, swimmers very rarely have to do that. I've never seen swimmers shake hands after a uh, a swim, right? I don't know when it happens because in baseball at a young age level, when the game ends, one team lines up at third base, the other yeah. team lines up at first base, yeah. and then once everyone's lined up, you run across and da, slap hands, good yeah. game, whatever. In I professional baseball, they don't do that. Okay. 
In professional baseball, half of the winning team goes to third base, half of the winning team goes to first base, and they slap hands with their own team. (laughs) That is the fucking way to do it. Like, that's how you do it, because everyone wants to be there, everyone's in a good mood. Like, that's, that's the way to do it. It's that's maybe and probably they only do that so that little kid they can like parents can point and say hey look they do it too and, and until the kid's old enough to figure out wait that's all Red Sox <laughs> <laughs> or White Sox or whoever it is uh, yeah I I can see your point part the part of me that has never had to be in that situation is like oh I kind of like it it makes me feel warm and fuzzy that everybody shakes hands afterwards. <laughs> Uh, but that is the part of me that has literally never had to suffer from this because I've never been good at a team sport or a one-on-one sport, I guess. <laughs> Should I ever be in a position where I am raising an athlete? Uh-huh. I am not going to make them feel bad for not wanting to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I w- but I wouldn't discourage them. Like, if they're five and they want to go out with the rest of their team on the Little League match... But I'm not I, saying I'm going to discourage it. I'm not. Yeah. Be clear. I'm saying if they should ever lose a match and then in the moment of that loss react in a way that some would call unsportsmanship, unsportsmanlike, uh-huh. yeah. unsportswomanlike, yeah. I uh, will not. I will not be part of that gang that that you discourages. Will not, you will like, not just, be it, the one to su- let them. Suffer I will be that proud that they cared enough that their emotions are that high after that loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily bad. If they lose a major tournament game, of whatever sport, and we're sitting in the car afterward and they're just fine, that will be more disappointing to me. Yeah, they're just I good see. with it. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think you that's You didn't want to be here. You didn't want to be rare. here. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, that's rare. I, 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 would, I would guess that that's rare. Major tournament type thing and they're fine. Um, just like let's go to McDonald's and get milkshakes. I'm like, no, you don't have a milkshake. Milkshakes are for winners. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm against that. I so I don't you can know. Have a I glass of water. I. <laughs> um. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Uh. Yeah, I, I think in general, though, yeah, it's not appropriate to force kids to do anything. And so, even if a coach was like. You have to be there. I'd be like, hey, look, she said she doesn't want to go. Like, fuck off. You know, if if, if she doesn't want to be in the, the hand slappies after the game, then she doesn't have to be, right? Like, and it's not, it, she's emotional or whatever. It's That's fine. That happens. So Call her that, and I'm sure she'll want to do it. You want to go do the hand slappies? The hand slappies, yeah. I mean, I I remember not caring so much that I didn't care which side I was on. I was like, oh, hand slappies. Because I did not care enough. Uh, okay, Rob, I just wanted to say I didn't do enough research, and so it's a good thing that's a short topic. But the Supreme Court... What? I mean, not doing enough research is kind of the whole thing with this podcast. So that's, that's true. Good. That's true. Uh, the Supreme Court issued three opinions today. And the reason why they're notable... Let me ask you this before you go into this. Uh-huh. Because I don't know what it's about to say. I have no... I had no idea there were any decisions today at all. Uh-huh. But this sounds like the kind of thing that Aaron wants to talk about for a long time. No, so I do don't. do you want to wait 
for you to do some research and talk about it next week, or do we want to get into this? No, this is short. It's actually right. short. Unless you want to get into it. I, um, well, I don't particularly care one way or the other. This is your... This is your... I don't know how closely you've been following the Supreme Court this year. Zero. Zero. Okay. So this isn't the first week that this has happened. This has happened a few times, and I'm getting excited, to say the least. Um, and do you know what? To make it slightly less short, I, I am going to look them up real quick to make it a little bit more exciting. Here it is. NPR. Here's the title. Oh, Nina Totenberg. She's one of my favorites. The, the title of this uh, article that came out today is The Supreme Court Justices Split Along Unexpected Lines in Three Cases. And I am loving this. So the first one is Dual Sovereignty Upheld with Ginsburg and Gorsuch dissenting. So they were the only two dissenters, Ginsburg what? and Gorsuch. Ginsburg, probably the most liberal justice on the Supreme Court, and Gorsuch, like probably top two most conservative. It's between him and Thomas right now, I'd say. Um, and basically, they ba- so the Constitution says you can't have double jeopardy, right? You can't be tried for the same crime twice. But a hundred years ago, the Supreme Court said, well. The federal government, it's just applies to the federal government. The federal government could, uh, can prosecute you once, and the state government can prosecute you once. And uh, seven of the Supreme Court justices upheld that, with Gorsuch and Ginsburg saying that they would have preferred the court not uphold that. Now, can I show you a tinfoil hat uh, theory I have on that? Sure. They knew that they were going to pass. And so they wanted the Supreme Court to look more mm. diverse uh, or diverse uh, than it actually is. Okay. So they asked those two to dissent together to give that image. Interesting theory. Absolutely no evidence to support it. Tinfoil hat. <laughs> That is, there is no more evidence to support that theory than the Earth. The, oh, there's actually the opposite. The Earth is definitely not flat. Uh, <laughs> so I guess aliens. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll, I'll give you this. I don't know. It's, it's not impossible. The Supreme Court has done this in the past, and the most famous example, not exactly this, but the most famous example of holding out to for external to keep up appearances is Brown versus the board. Originally, I believe two justices were going to dissent and the chief justice fucking beat the shit out of them until they agreed to join. Like, so there have been times in the past in which one or more justices have basically said, table this, table this, table this. So they could continue to politically align the court the way they wanted it to look for, outward appearances so that's not unheard of that can happen and that could have happened so here's the next one racial gerrymandering case thrown out with a mix of liberals and conservatives so um there were cases from 11 uh basically saying that in virginia a bunch of 11 districts were racially gerrymandered 
A lower court ruled that they were racially gerrymandered. The Supreme Court agreed that they were racially gerrymandered. Okay. The cool thing is, Ginsburg wrote that opinion, five to four, and she was joined by Gorsuch, Thomas, the two most conservative justices on the court, Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan, the next two liberals. But the other liberal, uh, Breyer, joined the three uh, other conservatives, Alito, Kavanaugh, and Roberts, in dissenting. So three liberals, two conservatives were in the majority opinion of that case. Kind of interesting. And then finally, a uranium ban was upheld in um, Virginia. Basically, the Atomic Energy Act gave the federal government a lot of security oversight in nuclear energy, insofar as things go with nuclear energy. And But Virginia had a ban on binding, mining uranium. And the federal government was like, we want you to start mining uranium, and we're going to force you to do that under the Atomic Energy Act. Well, Virginia was like, you can't do that. It only gives you like rights to secure it. We're like infinity securing it by not fucking mining it. You can't force us to allow mining in our state. So writing for the majority, Gorsuch said that the energy, the Atomic Energy um, Act gives the federal government, like I said, the authority to regulate nu- nuclear safety, but not the authority to force mining itself. He was joined by fellow conservatives Thomas and Kavanaugh, um, but... Ginsburg, Sotomayor, and Kagan all joined that opinion in part. Roberts, Breyer, and Alito all dissented. So that one's less interesting. That's one where I would expect them to kind of go who the fuck knows which way. Uh, (laughs) But those other two, I wouldn't have expected quite as much. Um Especially the racial gerrymandering one. I would not have expected to go quite the way that it went. So, short topic. It was just to say, to me, it's exciting to see that. Because I'd rather... It's the same thing with Trump. If I could choose McCain or a fucking Democrat as crazy as Trump, I would still... I would choose McCain. And if I could choose a court that is constantly divided along the most stupid political lines possible and never actually does any thinking for itself or a court that sometimes doesn't go my way but has people writing opinions that show they've actually thought about it and the people who joined it clearly had to think about it, I would prefer that court. So anyway, that's that topic, (laughs) unless you want to add to it. Just to say that the cynic in me is not convinced. <laughs> I figured I figured you might say that. I'm not convinced necessarily. I'm just uh, I'm I'm slightly excited. I'm I'm my my uh, ears are out for hearing about more cases where there is less of an ideological split than there has been in the past fifteen years or so. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, as we close this week, I want to make a special shout-out that I probably should have made last week but forgot. Okay. 
I I received a phone call Mm -hmm. the other day in regards to our quiz episode, if you recall. Oh, yep. And in that quiz episode, there was a question about, I believe, Gone with the Wind. Yes. And neither of us knew the answer. And I said in that episode, after we both didn't get it right, Uh that my dad was screaming at his car stereo (laughs) the answer. He called me to inform me that he indeed was doing exactly that as that question came up. So (laughs) I wanted to acknowledge that. There's a few, I think my dad texted me about one as well. Uh, yeah, I was, a, I was a little embarrassed about a few of those that I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a general knowledge quiz with 300 questions. There's probably going to be some general knowledge that perhaps you should have that you don't. Yeah. So I found in instances like that, I love playing things like Jeopardy with my dad because he's generally kicking my ass at it. But every once in a while, there's an impossible question that I happen to know, and I get super excited about <laughs> being like, boom, lay it down. And it's like, yeah, nobody else on earth like knows the answer to that question, but I do. And I feel like I enjoy that feeling more. Like, the feeling of feeling good about knowing a question that nobody else knows the answer to feels better than the badness of feeling of not knowing the answer to a question that everyone knows the answer to. Does that make sense? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't agree with your stance on that particular opinion because that feel, I, I've done a lot of pub trivia and okay. that happens a lot where like, to me, especially where everyone at the table is like knows and I uh-huh. don't. And oh yeah. That feels so bad. Yeah, although I, <laughs> to be the hero to rush into the exactly fire with the only person who knows the answer to give yes. your team the point is great. I'm yeah. not diminishing that, but the humiliation of not knowing <laughs> something that is apparently just a thing to know. A thing to know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I you, get you. I get you. All if right. this podcast makes you scream at your car stereo, feel free to let us know on the Facebook. Or yeah. on Twitter, or I, email. All still got nothing. I have one more comment. We're reading a book. It's called Sapiens. It's by Yuval Noah Harari. I'm glad that you did the um, pronunciation this time. I mean, I I don't know how accurate that was, but it was a pronunciation. If I had to guess your pronunciation or my pronunciation, which one he would have liked more, <laughs> without knowing him at all, I'm going to guess he's going to prefer yours. Okay. <laughs> um, and if you care, um, he is a fairly famous historian and philosopher. Uh, Sapiens is his most famous work, as far as I know, but he's also done some TED Talks and things like that. Uh, I just wanted to say up front, two weeks, I believe, right, before we will be reviewing it, that I, like, look, I love the fantasy novels that I read, and I encourage people to read them and enjoy them. I enjoy them. I think, as a human being, you should read this book. Like, I think that even though I get more feel-goodies out of all of the fiction novels that I read, I would recommend this as, like, please go read this. It offers a lot of very interesting insight into who we are as human beings and not even just who we are evolutionarily, but who we are um, 
and, and like who we are and what sets us apart from other animals in both the good and the bad. And I just think it's really, it's been a really fascinating read so far and I'd highly recommend it. Uh, you know, that feeling we were just talking about when you get that trivia question, right? Uh huh. That's the way I'm feeling about having suggested a book that makes you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. <laughs>